Hey you, yeah you, the motivated small business owner, I've got a secret for you. Today's guest was earning a million dollars a year in real estate commissions at the ripe old age of 27. Now at 32, she hosts a popular online TV show, is a world-renowned speaker, recently revealed her deepest, darkest secret on a TEDx stage in Malibu and is on her way to becoming the next Oprah Winfrey. Yep, it's a big show today. Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to take your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. G'day, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I am your host, Timbo Reid. That is no secret. But you, standing, sitting, running, driving right there, are a motivated small business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. Welcome back. We've got another big show. I've got to tell you, I kind of alluded to it right up the front. I'm joined by Kirsty Spraggan. More on her very shortly. Suffice to say, get out a pen and a notepad and get ready for some marketing. G-O-L-D. Got a listener question about men's undies and press releases. Awkward. Got a marketing quote of the week and plenty more. So let's start with our regular weekly check-in. Small Business Big Marketing with Tim Reid. Smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. So, how's your week? Mine has been a ripper. I hope yours has been just as good. Thanks for the great feedback uh, from last week's episode. Um, having my kids along, I loved it. You clearly loved it too. We'll find some ways going forward to uh, integrate them into the show. Integrate, that's a weird word to use when talking about my children, but you know what I mean, bringing them back on. So thank you for all those who left a comment in the show notes for episode 226. Loved it. I've been up on the Gold Coast for a couple of days, staying with last week's guest, Mr. Passionate himself, Keith Abraham. We had a couple of days of business planning. Uh, Keith also offered me some very, very kind mentoring as well. He's a speaker of decades. I'm a speaker of just a couple of years and uh, got some wonderful insights to Keithy. One, I'll share one with you. We put together a, a proposal, a combined proposal for an idea that we've got. It's only going to one client, but Keith has gone to the trouble of having that designed by some graphic designers, which I just think is really interesting. You know, we get brochures designed, we get business cards designed, but how often do you actually go to the trouble, the expense, the time of getting something designed one-off that's only going to be seen by one person? I think it's a really effective strategy. I think it's going to work for us. Um, It's going to look amazing. It makes us look highly, highly professional, even if we're not. No, we are. But I just think that's just a really smart idea. So, yeah, had a great couple of days. Got caught in the cyclone. Well, yeah, sort of a cyclone pending up there. It didn't stop raining. Another thing that has caught my eye this week, I am loving the Australian Shark Tank TV show. Anyone watching it? Gee, it's good. I tell you what, I don't watch a lot of telly, but I tell you why you should watch it. I know this show's been on in America for some time now. What I love about it is that it forces the people who go on it to get their pitch right. 
to communicate what their business does clearly, quickly, succinctly, verbally uh, and visually as well. And, you know, one of the things all the sharks are onto is that initial kind of like 10, 20, 30 seconds when the guest has or the guest, the, the, uh, the entrepreneur has the opportunity to share their business ideas. So I'm really loving it. I like the sharks. I, I think they're all really good, solid uh, people who gr- give great feedback. So there's a lot to be learnt. Uh, in fact, a past client of mine was on last night. I am going to approach him this week and see whether he would be up for an interview. I'm not sure whether they're allowed to speak to the media, so to speak, but um, certainly hope so because he is doing great things and had quite some success on Shark Tank last night. So that's my week. There's other things happening. I won't bore you with the details, but love to think that your week was a cracking one too. If it was, build on those positives. If it wasn't, don't look back. Forget the negatives and move on. I'm actually reading a fantastic book. I'm going to, I'll tell you, actually, I won't tell you what it is just yet. I picked it up at the airport last week uh, and I can't put it down. Uh, I will share it in the next couple of weeks once I've finished it because I'm quite excited by it and uh, it's highly, highly motivating. Anyway, enough from me. Let's get on with the rest of the show. Righto, coming up, a question from a listener about press releases and men's underpants. And not far away is real estate phenomenon turned online TV host, Kirsty Spragan. But first, a word from those wonderful folk who make this show possible. You know, the Small Business Big Marketing Show is brought to you by NetRegistry. You know, there's a lot of complaints I hear from small business owners about their online marketing. They just can't get a break with it. They'll be having the worst experience with their website, their website developer, the site will keep crashing, the design isn't something they love, you know, all that type of stuff. Maybe that resonates with you. My advice, talk to NetRegistry because they will get your online marketing sorted. NetRegistry actually hosts the Small Business Big Marketing website. You don't need to be a pro when it comes to the internet because they are. And they make the whole online marketing thing simple and straightforward, from getting you a domain name to your site hosted to having it designed to even getting it found on Google. Whatever you need to market your small business effectively online, it is in the absolute skill set of NetRegistry. Head over to netregistry.com.au today and tell them Timbo sent you. The Small Business Big Marketing Show is also brought to you by 99designs. 99designs is your one-stop shop for anything graphic design related. You need a logo, you need a website, you need a brochure, anything else. You get an original design from designers around the world who submit concepts for your review with a 100%, get this, guarantee that if you're not happy with the designs, you get your money back. So it's a no-risk kind of thing. Gotta love that. I found the best designer I've ever worked with on 99designs. Hello, Nicola. He actually designed the Small Business Big Marketing logo. Check them out at 99designs.com forward slash SBBM and you'll get a free $99 listing upgrade just for listening to Australia's number one marketing podcast. Gotta love that. Head over to 99designs.com forward slash SBBM. And now, back to the show. Right, listener question time. I do love a good listener question. This one is from Tammy Devonish, and she has a business called Rear Ends Men's Underwear, and her website, 
R-E-E-R-E-N-D-Z.com.au. You, rear ends. She says, hey, Timbo. Hey, Tammy. I've been listening to your podcast during my commute to and from my day job. Oh, we're trapped in the cubicle right now, but we'll get you out of there, Tam. So I can get great marketing ideas for my online men's underwear label, Rear Ends. I love your show. I've got no marketing background, so you keep me inspired and determined to succeed. Well, it is my absolute pleasure, Tammy. I have noticed that several people have you have interviewed have paid for press releases and placed it on PR Web, which I want to do. My question is about timing. For example, Father's Day is one of our biggest events on our marketing calendar, and I would love to get some coverage before the event as we always run a special offer. Which month should I submit to PR Web on? I'm worried about not getting the timing right and either being too early or too late. All right, Tammy, good question. I'm going to approach it from a broader perspective. Well done on on a PR strategy. That is a very smart idea. But think beyond PR Web. PR Web is one place where you can upload a press release, pay a fee, and it goes out to journalists all around the world, which may be a good thing. But I'm going to suggest, Tammy, go back to episode 223, where I interview Tina Tower. The whole show is about how to get free publicity. I loved her quote, which was, the easiest way to create a story is to be a story, right? And that attracts journalists uh, to cover your business. So for example, a story idea for your business could be men's underwear trends over the past 100 years. You know, colours, cuts, shopping habits. I think there'd be quite a smile in that. And you could create an infographic uh, to, to support that story and send it out to journalists. So I'd then identify and build relationships with journalists who have a particular interest in men's undies. So that could be from a fashion perspective. It could be from a men's health perspective. But I think you could have a lot of fun by creating stories and attracting journalists that way instead of kind of going the shotgun approach out through something like PR Web. From a timing point of view, Tammy, ongoing just be the go-to person for when people want comment about men's undies in Australia or in the world. Go for world. Go for gold. Okay, so um, the Father's Day thing's a good idea. How far out? Weeks out. You know, they particularly for magazines. Magazines have a two, three-month lead time. So, but I'd be thinking blogging. I'd be thinking of podcasts. Hey, us podcasters love to be seated. Um, and I'd just be getting your message out there on an ongoing basis by creating the story, um, being the story, I should say. Great question, Tammy. Thank you. Hey, listeners, if you do have a question, you can send it into questions at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and hope it gets answered or... You can join the Small Business Big Marketing Forum and join lots and lots of other motivated small business owners where we talk marketing each day. You can post your question, and I'm in there several times a week answering them along with a whole lot of other people just like you. You want to join? Head over to crankmymarketing.com. Righto, team, it's time for today's guest, who is none other than Kirsty Spraggan. Write her Twitter handle down, because you are going to want to hit her up and tell her you heard her on this show. It is at Kirsty TV, K-I-R-S-T-Y TV. Hit her up on Twitter. Now, I met Kirsty at the recent speaker's retreat I went to in Noosa, and got to know Kirsty, I think, pretty well over the first two days of that retreat. 
And, and I think in the first few hours, Kirsty sort of looked me in the eye and she said, oh, Tim, by the way, yeah, I'm going to be the next Oprah Winfrey. And when she said it, like, I was like, I thought, yeah, yeah, you are. Like, she was, the look in her eye, that wasn't, she wasn't a, it wasn't a joke. She was, she is absolutely committed to doing it. Let me share her current bio. She's in the top 1% of individuals in Remax's global network of 121,000 real estate agents worldwide. I should say was because she is no longer working in real estate. She's been featured in TEDx, Fox Business, Women's Health, Huffington Post, Forbes, Today Show, the list goes on. She was the 2011 Breakthrough Speaker of the Year at the National Speakers Association, lived in seven cities, travelled to 40 countries, real estate phenomenon, speaker, author, etc., etc. You know the drill. She's now hosting this wonderful online show called Kirsty TV, right? And the premise of Kirsty TV is that our secrets are making us sick. That's what Kirsty's belief is, and that by sharing them, we set ourselves free and open ourselves up to endless possibility. Kirsty shared her deepest, darkest secret on a TEDx stage in Malibu last year. She's going to talk about that very shortly. This is a really interesting interview. It's full of marketing gold. It's full of woo-woo gold. You are going to discover the secret to Kirsty earning a million dollars in annual real estate commissions by the ripe old age of 27. We're going to talk about the power of vulnerability and how Kirsty's life changed forever once she did reveal this secret on the TEDx stage. I started off by asking Kirsty what she's most excited about. Oh, my gosh. Could you not give me some time to prep for that? What am I really excited about? I'm excited about what's next. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately um, with my talk show about whether I want to look at buying airtime, go network, stay online. I think there's so many opportunities out there. I want to do another book. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about what, I, what I'm going to do this week. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Just one step at a time. Yeah. Can you tick all things. those boxes off, you know, this week? Get a network Probably spot, <laughs> you know, get that book written. <laughs> but yeah. it's literally on my to-do list right in front of your face while I'm looking at the computer screen right now. Does that overwhelm, make you feel overwhelmed? No, because what I've got next to it, it's literally the first line of my to-do list and it says, what's next? And for me, it's always about like every week because it's it's uh, Monday tomorrow for us because today was a public holiday uh, in LA. And for me, it's always about at the beginning of each week, like what's the next right thing? Because I want one big thing that I'm working on and then underneath that is all the little to- to-do things, you know, that I might have to follow up a contract or um, go through emails or do a new video for my sponsor so I like the big picture thing at the top and I like to know what that is for the week and it's not necessarily going to get done this week or this month but I like to know the big picture thing that's currently on the table. I think that's it's really interesting. Um, there's a big lesson there I think for all listeners. A couple of things. We a, a great old friend of ours, yours and mine, Keith Abraham, was on the show last week and he stresses a lot about you – know, <laughs> actually, I take that back. He doesn't stress at all but he emphasises a lot about when you meet with someone, the last thing you ask is, what's the next thing? What's the next thing we've got to do to move this forward? Uh, and it's not the little thing, it's the big thing. And and funnily enough, I'm interviewing another guy today, Mark McKeon, who has written a book called The Go Zone. And The Go Zone is uh, two hours a day in your day where you do the next big thing that's going to have the biggest impact on your business. So you're onto something, Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> As if you didn't know. Hey, now listen, you're onto something a while back, I reckon. I want to talk to you about your real estate career, which is no longer, 
and then what you're doing now with Kirsty TV and speaking and all that. But you were ranked in the top 1%, I think it's amazing, in Remax's global network of 121 real estate agents. I was going to say land rats, but I wouldn't say that. <laughs> now, now, what does being in the top 1% mean? Can you quantify that for us? Uh, the top 100. I think I was like 64th and 5th um, in the two consecutive years. But who's uh, counting? <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that. I, to, I need to pull out the newsletter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Okay, so what does that mean, quantify in I terms of sales? or? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, it's you know, it's there's very few sales industries on the planet that would sell, um, you know, the amount that real estate sells. So when I'm dealing with um, car sales, insurance, recruitment, um, you know, they'd be lucky if their sales gross close to 200,000 for a top realtor to be anywhere between one and two million. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a, a fairly good income. Are um, you talking commission there? Yeah, what you take home. Right. Okay. So yeah. at the ripe old age of what – Oh, maybe 27. At 27, you were the 63rd best real estate agent in the REMAX network, taking home how much in commission a year? Uh, a running rate of close to a mil. Love your work. Gee, I love your work, Kirsty. <laughs> okay, so now you've quantified it. My question, and every other listener right now, is how? What is your? What was, is your secret source to doing that? Relationships. Yeah, for me, it all comes down to building great relationships. I love people. Um, I networked my butt off. I got out there. I um, stayed in touch. I followed up. I did all the right things. Um, you know, there's uh, there's many things, but I think that understanding and valuing the incubation period of relationships was probably key. Um, they say from the time that somebody first meets you to when they'll actually do business with you is often nine to 18 months, which is that incubation period. That can be when they first see a billboard when you're in real estate or receive a flyer in the letterbox um, or meet you at a networking event through to when you'll actually list and sell their property or be referred by them. And of course, in every business, you'll get some people in your first one or two months and people that may have been in relationship with you for years that come off down the track. But I have found consistently in most industries and even for myself transitioning from real estate sales to speaking through to the TV show um, that I've always followed that incubation period. There's always nine to 18 months tipping point and starting a new business. There's always nine to 18 months in most relationships before they come on board as a sponsor or a speaking client or a real estate lead. Um, and I think what I was really great at is making sure I stayed in touch long enough that I was there when that incubation period came to fruition. Most people meet a ton of people and don't do much about the staying in touch piece. Massive uh, amount of patience required. Um, yeah, I think, I think, well, well, let me explain what I mean by that. Trust. Well, trust that they are going to come back. Do you mean? Yeah. Trust that if you stay in touch and you work them, that the business will come instead of giving up too soon or thinking that it's too hard or too difficult. Um, it's harder, I think, to constantly be out there networking with new people and building new relationships every day. Um, and and sort of being everywhere and sending off brochures and marketing material, for me that's harder than if you just find, you know, a couple of hundred people that you meet within the first year and you're diligent about staying in touch with them and following up, um, you know, whether that's through phone calls, through newsletters, through um, social media, 
or all of the above. Um, but I'm I'm diligent and disciplined about staying in touch with people through that process. How do you do that in a non-salesy way that adds value to the lives of these 200 people that you've identified as prospects that are, gonna, that are either going to buy or sell from you in the next 18 months? I love that. Great question. I think that the first thing is I don't see them as um, sales or prospects. I genuinely, like every single client I now work with, I love. Um, I do business with people I like and we know for a fact that people do business with people they like. So I think that makes it easier. I don't, if I, you know, literally the other day someone introduced me to someone and said, this would be a really great contact for you. You guys should chat. We had a phone call and I hung up and I just thought, oh, right. just not feeling it. So I literally deleted the email that connected on LinkedIn and they had said, you know, you should go through our my profile and see who else you want to be introduced to. And I just deleted it. Number one, be selective. Uh, it's, not the, it's not the first 200 people you meet. No, it's where, go where the energy is. You know, if I meet someone and I have a really great connection with them um, and same thing with business cards, you know, people give you business cards, I chuck them out if I don't feel that connection. But if I meet them and we have a really easy conversation and an effortless rapport and I just feel like I really want to know more about this person. Um, curiosity. And, yeah, there's curiosity and the same thing is is with when I'm making those follow-up calls, I'm always curious, I'm wanting to be on the phone, building rapport, getting to know them, finding out how I can add value, um, you know, and genuinely being taking an interest in their lives. So for me, it's going where the energy is, making sure that I'm contacting the right people. And that, that wasn't always the case. I mean, I remember when I first started out in real estate sales that I definitely worked with people that I didn't like. Um, I found it hard to say no. I felt like I should work with everyone. When you very first start, you know, you take business out of desperation um, but what I've learned is that those people cost you a lot of time and money, you know, suck your energy. Um, and, you know, I don't want to be in relationships with them for nine to 18 months, let alone 10 years. Um, and I have a lot of my clients who've transitioned with me from real estate to speaking. They've referred me in for speaking work. Some of them, I mean, this is from little old Perth in Western Australia, and they're still watching my TV show and still on my original mailing list today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when you have that philosophy that it's coming from a place of a relationship and not just a prospect, they're going to be a relationship with you for many decades and they transition with you through your businesses. You genuinely have a love of people. Uh, another, a friend of ours, another friend of ours, Rowdy, uh, was with you in LA a couple of weeks ago and I caught up with him for lunch last week. And he told a great story about you. <laughs> Were your ears burning? <laughs> but this this is an example, I think, of your ability to uh, kind of uh, build rapport, I guess, and that's what we're talking about. So you guys were at um, some kind of launch party. You identified a person over the other side of the room as, or maybe Rowdy did, as, hey, that's the guy, the Hollywood re- reporter on the yeah. Today Show, right? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So you go, you, he's saying it isn't, you're saying it is. Instead of kind of having that debate between you and Rowdy, you've just walked over to the guy and said, hey, listen, my friend and I are arguing as to whether you're the Hollywood reporter on the Today Show. Uh, is that a true story? Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, Rowdy wanted to Google it, I think, on his iPhone. And I'm yeah, like, but Rowdy doesn't like talking to guy. people. That's right. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, he, he left with seven cards in his pocket after that night. So I felt like I'd kind of converted him to the light side, so to speak. Okay. So gotcha. <laughs> but what you did then – I love introducing my listeners to ways of marketing that 
it'll freak them out a little bit. It might scare them. And I guess this will scare a lot of people. But what you do, Kirsty, is not for everyone. It, it's a skill. You've got to kind of be you've got to be courageous you've got to kind of have a t- a thick skin because you're going to get a no you're going to get nose a lot some people are going to turn their back to you cuz like why is she she's stalking me you know like 4 months <laughs> in and I've heard from this woman 5 times and she's starting to freak me out like it's, it really doesn't happen though tim people that's the thing people assume that and they think they they get caught up in their head oh, i haven't talked to this person for so long it's too late i shouldn't call them now or they well, probably i'm doing that right me. now i'll do it all the time coach me coach me truth. i'm here i'm here I, i'll stop recording i don't recording. have a single person so last week right <laughs> after we did our speaker retreat there was 10 of us together tim was there and keith abraham who you talked about and rowdy so one of the things i committed to was i was going to make seven calls a day five days a week and be disciplined because i'd started to get away from that practice so came back to LA first week, made my seven calls. I was on the phone with people 30, 40 minutes. And I'm just thinking to myself after I hung up, like, one, I don't have time for seven calls a day anymore. I'm lucky if I'm going to get through four. Two, by the end of the first five days, I had generated so much work, like two speaking jobs, two coaching jobs, meetings with three of the top CEOs, like phone call. It was just ridiculous. And I couldn't keep up with the, it would have taken me four hours in a day just to do my seven calls, which I'd allocated an hour for. Um, You love it, Kirsty. You love a chat. That hour was a ridiculous allocation. But but the thing is, if they didn't want to have that chat with me, you know, generally when when you come from a sales point of view and you're making those cold calls, I remember back when I started, you know, it's really challenging to get people to even want to talk for two minutes, let alone 45. Um, and so I definitely think that it's because of the shift in my approach. It's coming from more of a place of trusting more and hustling less. It's coming from a place where I set the intention that I really like these people and want to build a relationship with them. I'm staying in touch with them over a period of time. But if nothing comes from it, I'm okay with that. I'm not sort of coming from the point of view of like, I have to have a result at the end of this call. Um, so those 45 minute chats are really like, the first 10 minutes is, what have they been doing? I haven't talked to you for ages. How's your month been? And that's the other thing. Everyone kind of wants to get to the chat, cut to the chase and get straight on to the business of it, whereas I want them to spend some time telling me about their life because that's what gives me the insight. That's what I can be curious about. And the next time I call, it's a warmer call. I've got my foot in the door. And then I'm asking them the second part is about their business side of things, like what's the most recent event that they've been doing? You know, obviously as a speaker, what's interesting to me is if they're doing events, booking other speakers, who they're using, what's worked for them, what hasn't, what they're doing in the next six months, because that's how I can then go, oh, well, now I can see how I can fit into the next six months and this might be an opportunity to send them some information and to share in a non-pushy way. It's just, you know, hey, by the way, this is something I've done. And then one of the other techniques that I love to use on phone calls is what I call story selling or storytelling testimonials. And so you'll tell them a story of, you know, for example, I was chatting with a client recently who was telling me that they're doing some work with a company over here called The Pampered Chef. I happen to have spoken two weeks before for the Australian equivalent called The Chef's Toolbox. So as we're chatting and she tells me about that, I then let her know about the story of how I've worked with this client in Australia and I use a storytelling testimonial. I tell her about the event. I tell her how successful it was. I give her a few insights into how I work with them. And so that's a real soft way 
of selling without being pushy. Yeah, and can I just, on that point, that's about listening and the idea, and I like that, like as you're having a conversation with someone, you're letting them tell you where they're at, what they've been doing, there'll be something that they say that you'll be able to uh, add value to or solve a problem with or whatever it may be. And um, yeah, that I like that. And it, it'll be completely unrelated to what you're uh, after in terms of, you know, being booked uh, or getting a listing, but it's all about being helpful, isn't it? Well, and that's the thing. Like for me, a lot of my relationships come from referral business because I'm also a great referrer. If you don't listen, if you don't get to know people, if you don't know how you can help them, you know, when I was in real estate, it'd be getting an interior decorator in for them or bringing in an accountant or a financial planner or some other kind of referring partner who I valued and trusted and loved working with and then they would work with them and then they're part of the family and down the track they'd be like, oh, now we're ready for Kirsty, but wasn't she great at helping us get everything ready and in place beforehand? Mm-hmm. I love it. And so speaking, I'm not always recommending myself. You know, there's quite a few times where I'm like, I'm not the best fit. What you want right now is a leadership expert and this is who you should be talking to. Um, so, you know, I'm all about making sure that they get the best thing for them and at the same time, you know, because a lot of people will take something immediate but then if I took that leadership and it's not my forte and it's not what I'm great at, then I'm going to burn my bridges and the relationship for all time. There was a great um, – one of the other podcasts, I know you listened to it as well, the National Speakers Association podcast. There was a great idea for, uh, for referral marketing in that, I think, in the last month's episode, which was all about as a speaker, you – appear on someone's stage after that you send a note an email to the person who organized it saying thank you loved it hope you did too let's stay in contact Um, there's three things you know for sure they're going to have a conference next year they're going to need a keynote speaker and chances are it won't be you because they've had you on that stage maybe not but uh, on the assumption that it won't be you then you refer two or three other people to make the life of the conference organiser just that little bit easier. And that plays two ways. They think you're great and you're referring others who are then going going to pay back to you at some point. Beautiful. Don't you love that? I love it. Hey, have you got some mantra bands clacking around on your wrist? I know they sponsor you. Are you, are you just like kind of is – that, is that your I subtle way of – There you go. I love that. We'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, sit on your hands. Hey, um, Kirsty, you – okay, so relationships, networking, a million dollars in commission at the ripe old age of 27, love it. But in your rise to the top 100 sales agents for Remax, was there a moment when you made – an awful decision and if there was I'm guessing there was what were the consequences these are some hard questions Timbo come on just because it's a public holiday you can't fall back on that one well I don't not necessarily hard but certainly um, you know one of the most challenging times for me was I I didn't have any boundaries so I was available and accessible 24 hours a day for my clients and I had some clients who would take advantage of that and and call it all hours. So I certainly remember having a moment where I had a bit of a breakdown and would have to be underneath the comforter in bed at three in the afternoon rocking. (laughs) Really? Really? That's that's serious? Like like blubbering mess? Um, More just stress. Like I would shake when the phone would ring. Um, And so I just hit burnout. That doesn't happen overnight. Like what was the run-up to that happening? Like a week? 
six months? Oh, no, I, yeah, I would say over a period of months. I mean, I think I, I, I worked that process for probably two years before it became a problem, you know, was, was extremely available. I'd say a full, full year at, at um, probably doing more than I should and pushing myself um, mentally and emotionally. Um, but, yeah, definitely a, a good few months before I stopped it and really recognised it and was able to step back and go, what do I do about this? How do I change things? Um, that could, end, that could be career-ending for a lot of people. It wasn't for you? No, I, I think for me I recognised it early enough. Um, I am someone who generally works at a, you know, what other people might take an hour to get done, I'll do in 15 minutes. So I do work at a pretty speedy pace. Um, and always have, but I think that can be a problem too. If you're somebody who works a lot, um, it takes you a while to recognise, you know, that you haven't had a day off and you're not stopping and that you do need to recharge and that you can't just work every day of the week. And, and when you love it, and that was my biggest problem is I loved what I did. When you mm. love it, you can want to work seven days a week, 24 hours a day sometimes. Mm. And so you really have to be conscious to go, yes, but this is not sustainable. I need to pull back. I need to have some boundaries. And it can be scary in a business. You think, well, if I pull back, are they going to still book me or go somewhere else? And what I found is once I set those boundaries, I didn't lose anybody and I still got the same amount of work Gosh, done and I enjoyed boundaries. it. Yeah. How, how do you, that's, that's again, um, easy, easier said than done. Um, yeah. You and I are both small business owners now to this day. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my boundary setting's pretty average. You sound like yours is under control. It is now. Um, she she says doing an interview on a public holiday. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't know when I booked it. <laughs> um, but so, no, I think I say no to a lot of interviews now that I before I would have been doing one every day. Um, I say no to a lot of stuff that before I would have said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank I'm you. Definitely, it's okay. I'm definitely clear about um, I have certain days off, and as I said, I haven't had a proper day off in two weeks, and I'm really conscious of that. So I make sure that I then stop it before it becomes three or four weeks. And generally, I try and make sure I have one to two days off every seven days. Um, but for a long time, I didn't. I, you know, I just loved working. And so I tend to have block holidays. If I need time off, I'll go and have a whole month at the end of the year. Um, I, I tend to do that more than be conscious of having two days every week. But I don't have a husband or a partner or children that I have to be accountable to and and to fit a schedule. So if I want to work at three in the morning one day and then have a nap at one in the afternoon, I can. Um, So I have just found that listening to myself and knowing myself has been the best thing and I I really understand my body and and know when I need to stop Uh, and when I can go. Every every parent... It's just yelling down to the, 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 the speaker at the moment. Oh, here we go. Another successful business owner without children or responsibility. Oh, I love it. I had, a, I had an email, actually, or a Facebook message from a listener only about three weeks ago saying, can you please, please get a successful small business owner who is a woman with a family? Uh, and I did. I did. I had a lovely lady, Tina Tower, on uh, – oh, yes. I called her Tina Turner. Uh, uh, I must <laughs> apologise for that. Um, but she was a Tel- she is Telstra Businesswoman of the Year. And um, But no, I get that. Do you, do you have FOMO, fear of missing out, when you have that – when you set those boundaries? Because that's my problem. Like if I go, you know what, um, let's say today, this afternoon, phone's off, no email, I'm going go-karting. I would just go, oh, gee. Because, like, I got just before I came on uh, for this interview, 
I got an email from a speakers bureau asking me to speak in Bali in September and they wanted uh, a fee schedule uh, and availability this morning. So what happens? What if I was go-karting? Well, look, I think um, you are going to miss some things. Right. You know, and I've said this to a few friends, you know, when you sort of get to that level of when you're doing over 300,000, I'm pretty sure, you know, 150, most people are happy. I could live with that kind of income. Once you start getting over 300,000 in a small business, you're doing all right. Half a million, a million, like there has to be a point where you go, what's more important? me doing everything and not having a life mm-hmm. and not being there for my family and my friends. And because even though I don't have children, I still have a life. I still have other people <laughs> that want to spend time with me. And, you know, it would be a pretty lonely existence if all I gave to is, and I make the effort, I must say, I call all of my friends more than anybody else calls me, maybe because they do have children. Um, mm-hmm. But I make a huge effort to give back and, and do charity work and be available. Um, so I have a lot of things outside of work. But I think for me, the fear of missing out, I got rid of that in my first business. I think you kind of get some lessons and then over the years, I've just carried that with me and gone, like you can't do everything. At some point, enough money is enough money and then you have to go, I am going to miss some opportunities, but that's okay. Um, Or is it more important to me to have those things and I may end up divorced and unhappy and alone and miserable? Mm. Um, You know, so I think you will miss some things and you will miss some money. I used to take, when I was in real estate at the peak of my career, I took um, three months off a year. And so, yes, I probably lost, you know, anywhere up to $300,000. So that was a choice I made because I didn't want to be living to work. I want to move on from real estate, but one last question that does come to mind, and please sure. sit on those mantra bands or I will come to West Hollywood where you are I'm right not, now. I don't even have them on. Wow. What are you hearing? I don't know. Some clattering. Okay. But that's all right. I thought it was I just another. I thought, I thought it was another sponsorship plug. <laughs> <laughs> just tell me one last question. You're booming. You're in WA. You're doing really well in the real estate. Did you ever get ahead of yourself? Oh, I think um, I think yes, but I don't think I noticed it until I left. Um, it was in that transition stage to becoming a speaker that I kind of had a few moments where I'm like, wow, like I really, my identity was tied up in I'm the successful realtor. And so to all of a sudden show up in a new industry with no skills um, and just to really be a nobody, it was hard. And that was when I kind of recognized, wow, I've gotten really tied up in this identity and ego. Mm. Um, And having to sell, you know, I had um, investment properties and a beautiful Mercedes and so I made the choice to downsize so that I could go and follow my dreams, but that was a hard thing, letting go of all of those, the attachment to material things. Love it. Love it. Nice thing to recognize. Must yeah, have been hard. It was, so, it, was, it was an amazing lesson. So you left real estate. Had enough, I'm guessing? Um, I'd always felt a calling to share a message right. um, through TV or speaking. I, okay. I just you know, felt like it was the time. I had um, been asked through, once you get to that level in the company, you start speaking for them and training new coming people. And there was just a moment where I thought, wow, if I, this is harder than I thought. And if I want to be world class at this, I need to go study it and really live it and absorb myself in that world. And kind of sitting on the fence between real estate and speaking wasn't going to work unless I wanted to take 20 years. So I bit the bullet and um, it was the scariest thing I ever did, but the best thing I ever did. 
and you literally left and said, I'm going to become a speaker. I'm going to become a professional speaker. Yeah. Um, yes. Effectively starting a small <laughs> business from scratch and with – well, you you had a, you had an audience of sorts, but you were you had to build it from scratch and love it. How good, scary, yeah. scary's good, yeah. you know. It think, was amazing. Uh, great things come from scary. So I think oh, both both journeys, moving to from Perth to Sydney to speak, and from Sydney to LA to do the TV show, both have been equally as scary because I'd never spoken, I'd never been on stage, you know, other than one small room. It didn't have a stage; it had carpet. Um, and then moving into the TV, I'd never interviewed, I'd never been on camera, um, I hadn't been involved with the industry at all. Um, so that was tough. Okay, so let's. I want to kind of talk the Kirsty TV, but speaking is an is an integral part of you getting there. But you, you you've nailed speaking. You continue to nail speaking. Just give us a kind of again quantify where you've got to with your speaking, because then I want to talk about Kirsty TV. Speaking, uh, what do you want to know? <laughs> uh, how many speaking jobs did you do last year? Oh, gosh. I, I actually don't even count, Tim. <laughs> um, when I left Australia, I, did, I was doing 10 to 15 a month. Right, okay. The first year here, I really cut back. I focused 100% on the show, and now I'm just starting to blend the two. Interesting with the show. So you've moved, you moved to L.A., for your show. So listeners, it's Kirsty TV. I'm going to Kirsty to explain it in a minute, but you've moved there to do it. It's a YouTube channel, absolutely worth watching, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can see what Kirsty gets up to. But Kirsty, when I first met you, uh, within a few hours, I loved it. You said, I'm going to be the next Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and and like, you know, some people could say that to me and I'd go, and, like, I didn't know you that well. I didn't know you. I just met you. Some people I go, oh, really? Like, what's that? Where, where's she coming from? But there was something in, in the way you said it that was like, yeah, you, you, you really do and may well be the next Oprah Winfrey. Uh, why is that so important to you? I think um, what's most important to me is sharing a message with millions of people, um, particularly the kinds of messages that we share. So the show is all about sharing stories that heal ourselves and heal others a lot of people um, carrying huge amounts of stigma and shame and secrets. Um, so we interview people who share everything from incest, human trafficking to depression, addiction and everything in between and they share hope and inspiration on how they moved forward from it. So for me it's always about the message and I know that the message is impacting people and we're helping people heal their lives. Mm, okay, so Kirsty TV is how old? Um, well, the seed and the plant, the idea came probably about five years ago. I moved here three years ago and we launched the show online um, maybe just over 18 months ago. Okay. Coming up on two years. When did you do your TEDx talk? Uh, 12 months ago. Okay. So that was kind of into Kirsty TV was underway. So yes. uh, listeners, Kirsty did a TEDx talk in Malibu. She revealed her secret. I think the premise of the talk was our secrets make us sick. Is that right? Yep. You're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. Love it. How compelling is that? Your secret was that you have herpes and that was the first time you'd Mm -hmm. gone public with it. Yep. How did that change everything or did it? Um, It changed everything instantly for me and probably just now a year on is changing things in terms of the show and the business. Um, I think what's interesting about that is a lot of people, even this week I was talking at a marketing and sales conference and 
there's a lot of people out there who, whether it's through their business or through speaking or through some way, they want to share a message. And a lot of it is tied to what's happened to them. And there's a lot of people who really struggle with, can I be that vulnerable in a corporate space, Mm -hmm. in a business space? How's it going to impact me and my clients and my customers? And are they going to continue to do business with me? Are they, you know, and I didn't want to be like forever known as that girl with herpes because that's such a small part of my story and who I am. Um, but I also didn't want to hide it because I'm having other people come on and share their deepest, darkest, most personal secrets. And I would have felt like a fraud if people's, you know, the show was starting to pick up traction. Um, mm-hmm. The Today Show interviewed me and a couple of other um, interviews were about to happen. And I felt like when they asked me, why did you begin this show? I wasn't able to share the truth. And the truth was that I began the show because of my own um, challenge with secrets and the fact that there was no hope and there was no one else, um, who I could watch that was a model for sharing what I was going through and saying, Hey, me too. You're not alone. You're not the only one. And there is a way forward. Um, so it, it shifted things instantly in terms of, um, I felt lighter, I felt freer, just, it was just the most incredible experience. And then a year on, it's shifted things in terms of it's now actually, um, just this last two weeks become our number one watched video on the channel of 150 videos. Um, and so, you know, for a while there, we had a couple of other guests, um, that were our highest ranked videos. And now all of a sudden my personal story is the one that people are watching and it got shared amongst communities um, of other people who had herpes and they've now asked me to come and speak at some events and this has all just happened in the last two weeks. So, Can, can we just um, – vulnerability you mentioned. You've laid your cards out on the table. Uh, your business, your personal brand continues to flourish. There's another podcast I listen to called The Osher Ginsberg Show, a guy, Andy mm-hmm. G out of Australia, who also lives in – he goes between LA and Bondi in Australia, but um, Andy's a TV personality here. He talks a lot about his battle with anxiety. He comes across very vulnerable in his show, but very strong as well. Um, And I just wonder how many business owners out there are scared to even pull back the curtain just a little bit on who they are for fear that they're not going to get the business. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. And all I can say is that I felt the same way and I had the same concerns and my experience has been that it is the most, it's been the most transformative year of my life. Um, It's opened up more opportunities in terms of work, but it really depends. It it depends on what the information is and if it has any relevance to, um, you know, for example, if somebody was cheating on their wife, I don't know whether you need to share that in the corporate workspace unless you're a marriage counsellor or a relationship expert and then, you know, maybe there is some um, some relevance. need for, the, yeah, some relevance and some um, something that's going to help other people by you sharing it. And I think it's also, you know, particularly if you're a public person, for me, part of it just came down to authenticity. I wanted to share my truth and there was a part of me that felt like without doing it, the show would never go to the heights that I knew it could if I was more open about where I was coming from. Mm. I'm going to be a bit vulnerable with you, Kirsty, and anyone who's listening to this show. I want to talk about production of both our shows. Mm-hmm. You put a massive amount of effort into Kirsty TV, 
both from a time and money point of view. And I'm, I don't know how much you want to share there. I put also a lot of effort into this show. I'm pretty wrapped with what this show's done for my business and personal brand. It's ranking number one on iTunes more often than not. Gets me a lot of speaking opportunities, but I feel it's got to take that next step. You know, like that's going through my head a lot at the moment. I look at your show, you spend a lot on production. And if we just talk about views, and I know there's other ways of quantifying this stuff, but you've got videos that have had 87,000 views. You've got shows that have had 94 views, okay? They're a lot younger, by the way, you know, like they haven't been on uploaded for as long. But how do you feel about that? Like, are you happy with where it's at? I am. I am. So for me, I, do, I tend not to focus so much on individual um, episode views because it can fluctuate so much. The the video that, um, you know, one of our videos that's at about 90,000, a human trafficking story, Petra's story, you know, that started off with under a thousand views for the first six months and now all of a sudden it's exploded so you just can't tell sometimes mm. um my herpes video is now at about thirty thousand, and again similarly that was really small um when i first started it was um i, I don't know probably lucky if it did a thousand in a few months um and now all of a sudden it's getting nearly a thousand a day um when i did the today show interview i remember being so excited <laughs> and telling them that I was getting, I think, a thousand. We had a thousand views in total on oh, the entire channel gold. in three months, yeah. and I was ecstatic. And so now we get close to about two, two and a half thousand a day um, on the channel, and it's just ramping up. Like my roommate said to me the other week, "Gosh, we were celebrating a hundred thousand views on the channel not that long ago, and it's now at four hundred thousand this week. And by the way, we're going, we should hit a million in the next few months. So." Um, I'm really happy with it. I um, This is this I, incubation I period you're talking yeah, about, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that, you know, I know someone who has millions of views on their channel, but they started eight years ago when it was a lot easier. There, there was only 100 channels on YouTube back mm. then. Now there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of channels. So it's harder to cut through the clutter. Um, what I also know, and I shared that with you, is that one of my sponsors had – um, had paid 100 to $500, which is pretty much the going rate to sponsor um, a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. And they did that with two or three mummy bloggers and they were lucky if they, you know, the sale of their product generated maybe a couple hundred dollars in sales. I did one post on Facebook talking about them and had over $2,000 in sales, so which is 10 times the result mm-hmm. that they'd got anywhere else. And that was just from a Facebook post. So I think that um, what I know is that I don't focus so much on needing to have the big numbers other people have. I would rather have a niche market of diehard fans who watch every episode we put up and love what we do and engage with us on Facebook and on Twitter and share things. Um, That's been sort of my focus has been growing that. You're putting out a show a week, is that right? Yes, yes. We've kind of, you know, we were putting out, we we have different things. We have the interview with a guest, which has a three camera shoot. That's the highest production quality. And we're probably only doing one of those a month now. And then in between that, we were doing Google Hangouts, one camera shoots, interviews where I might have been at national speakers and interviewed a couple of speakers in the hotel room. So they're not as high a quality um, episodes. Yeah, okay. And that's purely from a budget point of view. So I made the decision, I built the numbers. Now I could put nothing on the channel and we're still growing at a couple of thousand views a day because people are watching 
you know, the human trafficking story, um, Joe the Juicer, my herpes video. So those older ones are still generating more views than what we got in, in the first three months with one video. Um, so I could literally stop now and still generate views. But I like to put something up every week. I decided to pull back on the production quality and just um, focus on bringing sponsorship in and figuring out how I'm going to monetize it now. Good on you, because the production quality moves are massive. When you explained to me this three camera shoot, it's a highly produced show. That uh, the, the yeah. episodes I watched. Um, so now that you're backing off on that, I'm interested to know have you have you noticed? Well, clearly not. You haven't noticed a downfall in audience. Because I'm all about production, not perfection. If you can nail your message and and have a message that's incredibly helpful or incredibly engaging or entertaining or whatever it is, people are going to excuse production quality. Not to the point of like, oh, it's average, but yeah. you know, maybe a three-camera shoot on great cameras is over the top. I think that it depends what your um, you know, vision is. And so for me, it is network quality, Oprah-style show. So I have to be able to show the networks that we're competing in that space. So they need to see the level of quality. But do I need, now that we have that and we have a sizzle reel and we have, you know, 100 episodes, I, I'm now at the point where I don't feel there's no point in me creating 500 of those. So now that we have them, we can take them to look at whether we buy airtime and, and get a sponsor to partner with us and go on a cable channel in the US um, or use them to pitch an idea for a pilot show um, to a network. So for me, I did need to show that I have the skills as an interviewer and the quality, the production quality was there and the concept for the show. Um, but I certainly don't think that's, you know, if people are just wanting to have a, a viewership and podcasts and things like that, then you certainly don't need to go to that level and expense. Love it. Well, I wish you all the best, Kirsty. I hope you are the next Oprah. <laughs> Uh, or whoever you want to be. The next, the next Kirsty. Kirsty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Hey, where can people find you? Um, they can find us on the YouTube channel, which is Kirsty TV, K-I-R-S-T-Y TV, and I'm on at Kirsty TV on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, um, and they can just connect with us anywhere. And I do love it when my listeners hit my guests up on Twitter, so go for it, team. Say hi to Kirsty. You're pretty responsive on the old Twitter too. I am. I am. I try and respond to everyone. Yeah, it's because you've got no kids. <laughs> hey, thanks, Kirsty. Thanks, Tim. What about that team? Did you enjoy it? I loved bringing that to you. Now, remember, head over to Twitter and hit Kirsty up at Kirsty TV, K I R S T Y TV. I will put a link in the show notes to her YouTube channel as well, which is Kirsty TV. You can Google that, you can YouTube that. But I want to share my top five learnings having spent some time with Kirsty, And these are thanks to the very good folk at Net Registry and 99designs. Number one, spend time building relationships. And in doing so, expect a nine to 18 month incubation period. I like that. A, building relationships is anything, but not expecting immediate results. Yeah, nine to 18 months, long time. So you want to start building those relationships real quick. Number two, go where the energy is. Be selective about who you choose to work with. Easier said than done when you're starting a business, but if you've been in business for a while, there is power in saying no. You've heard me say that before, and there's power in being selective about who you choose to work with. That goes for clients, it goes for suppliers, it goes for staff. It just makes for a better energy in your precious business. Be a great referrer, number three. 
I love the idea of referring business to others. It's only going to come back and deliver great returns in spades. Number four, set boundaries in your business or you'll end up under the doona like Kirsty did. Yeah? Set boundaries, say no, turn off, switch off, give yourself time to regenerate, reinvigorate. Number five, be a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, I think there is power in that. People buy from people, not robots, not machines. So if you can be a little bit vulnerable, show your human side, even though it's important business, this stuff that we do. I think you're going to see some success just like Kirsty did. Hope you enjoyed that interview. I would love to see your comments in the show notes. I know we're going to be talking about it inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum, but if you're not a member, head over to the show notes and leave a comment for episode 227. As if we haven't had enough inspiration already in this episode, we'll wrap things up with the inspirational marketing quote of the week. Nice short one for you today. It's from Tom Fishburne. He says, the best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. Quote, unquote. Ain't that the truth? And that's great support for my helpful marketing concept, which I talk about ad infinitum. The best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. Yeah. Help your customers, help your clients make an informed decision through helpful marketing, and you are on the way to marketing nirvana. Right, team, if you enjoyed this episode, then you are going to love the marketing gold I have in store for you over the coming weeks. To never miss a second, simply subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast app. I use Downcast. Be sure to hit me up for a chat on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Timbo Reed, that is R-E-I-D. And if you want to pay it forward, then go ahead and tell another motivated small business owner about this show. They'll love you forever. And be sure to use 99designs for all your design needs and net registry to get your online marketing sorted. A very big thank you to all those who've left a review on iTunes or a comment in the show notes. I read and respond to them all and absolutely love them. Good for my ego and for my rankings. A special thanks to my forum members, your commitment to growing your business through smart online marketing or smart marketing generally, full stop, absolutely inspires me. Until next week, may your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reid. Want more marketing goodness? Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.